morning uh, patriotic word of worship guy for you. All right, let's do something fun together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do and we say. We pray, Lord, that as we look at your scriptures and we look at your word, we would understand the truth and the truth would set us free. We pray, Lord, that we would understand, that we would know you, and understand you, and follow you and your ways. The Old Testament is not irrelevant, as some would claim in the world today. You are the same God in the Old Testament as you are in the New Testament. Those who say otherwise are not telling the truth. So, Lord, we pray that as we look at what you were doing for the nation of Israel, we see how it applies to us today. We pray that you honor me, Lord, in all that we do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Psalms. We've been studying the Psalms and we're in Psalm 14. Have you ever heard of the fool in the flying ship before? Has anyone ever heard of that story? Let me share with you as it pertains to today's message, the fool in the flying ship. But I want you to understand who the real fool is in the story and what a fool really is. See, the story starts out with the of a peasant farmer and his wife and their three children. They have three sons. The two older sons are very clever, they're smart, well understood. The third son, I think, is a fool. So one day the Tsar of Russia proclaims that whoever builds a flying ship that can sail the skies and win the daughter or the hand of his daughter likes us. So the two older brothers backing of their parents, get all these provisions, and they go and they take off to go do this thing for the Tsar of Russia, never heard of ever again. And a few years later, as time passes, the youngest son, the fool, says to his parents, I want to try this thing. I want to try and build this ship. Maybe I can do it. And the parents kind of laugh at him and say, you're, you're not that smart. But we'll give you some provisions. Maybe four provisions. I'm not going to give you any really spend it all on your brother, your dad. So then he takes these four provisions and he moves off. His parents are like, you're probably going to need food by a pack of wolves. But the fool starts walking towards the woods and he meets a man. And in the story it says the man has eyebrows that dance around like snow hairs. And so the man asks him, well, what are you doing? And the fool says, I don't know, I'm going to go try and build a flying ship. I have no idea how to do this. No clue what I'm doing. I'm just going to go try and build this flying ship so I can get the princess's hand in marriage. The old man says to him, well, do you have anything to eat? He goes, yeah, not really. So he opens up his bag. traveling down, he meets several unusual companions along the way. A man who can eat triple the size of himself, a 
a man who can see with great sharpshooter eyes, and he also has a foot-long gun, a man who can run faster than the wind, and a man who can hear everything around the world. And then there's a man who's got incredible strength. So as they become a crew, they arrive at the Tsar's palace. And the Tsar says, what are you doing here? It's like, well, I've got this flying ship, and I wanted to have your daughter's hand in marriage. And the Tsar's servant says to him, oh, no, 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 there's tasks involved in this. You have to eat all of these thousand loaves of bread. So the fool says, okay, the guy that can eat, you go do that. It takes him a few minutes. Zars, son's like, uh, we got to figure out another thing to do. He's, he's got he's to go get the equator from Africa because this is a fool. And the Zars like, I don't want a fool marrying my daughter. What do I do? So his servant says to him, tell him to go get the equator from Africa. So he sends the runner, the guy who can run like, and he goes and gets the equator from Africa. You can tell that this is a fable, right? So he gets the equator from Africa, but then he falls asleep in a tree. So the guy who's a really good sharpshooter sees it and shoots a tick off the guy's head, wakes him up, and he runs back and he gives the equator to the czar. Then the servant says to him, oh no, we've got to do one more task. We need to have penguins from the South Pole. That'll stop him. He won't be able to marry your daughter if you do that. The czar says this to the fool. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do, and they're like, well, should we send the runner and the guy who's the sharpshooter said, no, I used my last bullet. You fall asleep again. We can't do that. So then this big, tougher guy, this guy who's really puffed up strength, he says, you know what? I'll take care of this. So he grabs the land and he starts pulling the land towards himself. They're like, we have to have this done. We need this before the czar wakes up in the morning. He starts pulling the land and he's pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. Finally gets the south pole and all the penguins show up and they're dancing around in the palace. And the czar says,
they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The fool in his heart says there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. None who does good. None do good. That's what the fool is. And by the way, the fool here is actually someone who is not intelligent, but quite the opposite. The fool here is a morally corrupt human being. They're morally perverse human beings. In fact, the fool referenced here is someone who's actually smart and well-learned. It's kind of like the older brothers in the story. However, in their foolishness, and in this guy's foolishness, he despises everything God says and everything God commands us to do. He wants nothing to do with God. Nothing. In fact, every deed they do is an abominable deed. The fool says, abortion's good. Because it's murder. It's my choice. It's my body. A fool says, breaking every law when you drive is good. We don't need to use the stop sign. I'm better than you. That's what a fool says. A fool despises everything God says and everything God does. He's not lacking in any mental powers, people. He's someone who is highly intelligent, and he's highly intelligent in the ways of the world. So the fool here is someone whose life is lived without God and does not seek God's direction in their lives. Not one of them. The fool is someone who acts as if there is no God. And he does, or she does, or whatever pronoun you're going to use today, they do nothing that's good. Everything without God is nothing good. In my master's thesis, this is what it was all about. I had to write on this absolute psalm here. It's exactly the same psalm as Psalm 53 for a couple of verse changes. And it's something that Jesus quotes, and it's something that Paul quotes. It's very intriguing to me. The world we live in today, 43% of all Americans are now atheists. Ah, in Greek, meaning non. Theist, meaning God. There is no God. 43% of Americans believe there is no God. It's the fastest growing religion in the world today. They do no good. The interesting part about this brings me to the second part, his heart. It says in his heart, our hearts, a fool in his heart says there is no God. Did you know that our hearts cannot be seen by anybody? Your true heart? I mean, we talk about people having open hearts and wearing their hearts on their sleeves. However, this is not that way. That The heart is the center of one's very being. And no one can see all of their thoughts or behaviors, except one, God. See, what's interesting about the heart, especially the heart of a fool, is it produces either belief or rebellion. It produces integrity or corruption, obedience or abstinence, enlightenment or blindness, fear 
thankfulness or astonishment. In the heart, we either produce gladness, joy, and good, or we produce evil. It's that simple. The fool says that killing someone is not a bad thing. They deserved it. Because they had the wrong color of skin. They were born in the wrong country. They don't deserve anything good. That's what a fool says. Well, it was born out of a tragedy. So two wrongs now make a right. Is that what I hear you saying? Because that's what a fool says. The fool doesn't think about the fact that life in the womb is precious and needs to be protected because it's the very definition of helplessness. The argument you're going to hear from people is that, well, it's not viable outside the womb. It won't live. Neither will a baby. It's the stupidest argument you'll ever hear. If you don't do anything with a baby after it's born, if you don't feed it, if you don't take care of it, it will die. It's not viable on its own. The argument that whether it's viable inside the womb or outside of the womb is a dumb argument. Yet, that's what people say. It's not viable outside of the womb. Use your brain and think. A baby can't take care of itself. It can't feed itself. It's not viable outside of the womb. That's why we have politicians in one of our states that have a bill that says 28 days later after I have a baby, I can still kill it and call it an abortion. That's what a fool does. By the way, that state, they're pretty close to passing that law. That's scary. 28 days later, after having a baby, it's not murder anymore because it wasn't viable anyway. So they're going to kill it off. That's what a fool says. Again, this is foolishness. I mean, how does this compute exactly? How does this way of thinking compute with people? It's not logically intelligent. It's logically flawed. It comes from the heart of those who don't follow God or His ways, but the ways of the world. And are you ready for this? The ways of the world are evil. It's that simple. God knows our hearts, and He knows we have turned from Him. Listen to what God knows when it comes to David and Saul, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on appearances or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Talking about Saul. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord, man looks on the outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. The fool doesn't care what God sees. Because they want what they want. Think about the end cause of their actions. This is what a child does. We actually have people who argue using childish thoughts. See, when I was a child, I acted and thought and reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. Those are old. But we still have people who think childishly. Actually, in our government now, it's unreal how many fools there are out there. Children act this way. They act 
like children, when they don't get what they want, when they don't get their way, they take their ball and they go home because they need to be the play first. And it's sad because here's the reality of it all. We are all born into corruption. We are all totally depraved. Not one of us was born accepted into sin. And the reason we are born into sin is not because we sin, but it's because we are sinners when we're born. We need a Savior. We need a Savior from ourselves. We need a Savior from our own destruction. Because look at what verse 2 says about what God does for the children of men. Verse 2 says this, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? Listen to this question from God. Have they no knowledge? All evildoers who eat of my people as they eat bread do not call upon the Lord? Here's the real question. What's happened to people? This is a hard question. What has happened to people? no knowledge? Many people in America have lost their ways. Many people don't seem to think that God will judge them and their ways, and they don't believe that God is real. That's sad. That's on me. That's on the preacher who doesn't preach the truth straight from the scriptures. Because you know what? Your feelings are valid, but you know what's interesting about our feelings? Many of our feelings are wrong. We might feel a certain way. It's wrong. But I feel like I'm attracted to the other or the same sex, and so I feel like I should be doing that. God says it's wrong. That's the standard I'm living by. I feel like I should be able to have as many relationships as I want. But you know what? I gave my heart to one. Her name is Katie, and I choose no other And so I might feel like I want to be with other women. The problem is my feelings are wrong. You see how that works? And so the preachers don't preach this anymore. They preach, well, whatever makes you feel good. I want you to understand that your feelings are okay. They're not okay. Our feelings are wrong. And they need to be moved and toward God. Because a life that's lived without God a life that has no meaning at all. And it's very sad because those who live that life, they don't see God working in the ways that they think God should be working, so they believe that He's not real. And I know you know people like this. I have in my office right now The Greatest Show on Earth by Richard Dawkins. I can sum it up easily for you. God's not real because there's beings that are created, that are being created today that are imperfect. See, if God was perfect, he would just keep us in the little, you know, incubator longer so we'd be more perfect and not come out with stains and issues. Well, the problem is, is sin entered the world through the fact that men thought they were smarter and they felt like they knew better because God was holding something back from them. Eve was the first one who was duped by this, but Adam is standing right there watching this happen, and he said nothing. 
could have said, honey, don't listen to that guy. Don't listen to what he's telling you. God's given us everything great. But he didn't say anything. Another great book in my office. Men, if you want to read it, I'll loan it out to you. It's called The Silence of Adam. You men, we men, need to stop being silent. We need to start leading our families the way that God calls us to lead our families. And we need to die to ourselves and love our wives. You know what that really means? Because Christ said he died for the church, which is his bride, and we are to die to ourselves and live for our wives. We are to do that in the sense of submitting to what God is calling us to do. Now, wives, you are to love your husbands. You're to care for them. You're to help them. You're to be their helpmate. You complete them. Too many guys think, oh, I'm loving my wife by... Whatever makes her happy, that's all I want to do. No. She's a sinner. hate to tell you guys this. Your wife is not perfect. I know you think she is. And I do too. Your wives are perfect. I'm just kidding. I love you. But the reality is, our wives are not perfect. Whatever makes them happy, as long as it's what God's calling us to do, then we can be doing it. And that's where communication comes in. You want to know why there's... 50% divorce rates in America today and in the church today is because we live by our feelings, not by the Word of God, not by the truth. It's funny to me. It's truly funny when you look at all the similarities in species. The brain, the eyes, their structures, even their hearts. They all seem to have something very it's a design. We all have a design. Go look it up. Did you know that pig's hearts are actually better for human beings to be transplanted into our bodies than even apes? But yet somehow we evolved from apes. Make a whole lot of sense. The reality is we have a common design because there is says, no, he wouldn't. What has happened to people? See, the Lord is watching, and he's watching what we're doing as a people, as a race, as a human race, and he's looking to see if any of us understands or sees everything. I have to tell you this. I've said this before, and I get it from Dr. Frank Durham. Most people today are on a happiness journey. They're not on a truth-finding journey. Most people in America today just want that happiness only comes from following and pursuing and seeking after and understanding who God is. That's it. You may find short-term happiness, things that might make you feel good, but I'm telling you now, all of that is fleeting. Because guess what? You might find the greatest wife you could ever find or husband you could ever find. I hate to tell you this. They're going to die.
care how long you've been married, when you are married to somebody and you love them and they pass away from this life to the next, that grief stays with you forever. So happiness doesn't go away. Even or Happiness goes away even if you think you've got the greatest thing ever because everything decays. So people are on happiness journeys, not truth-finding journeys. Ask your friends and family. Here's the question I would ask my friends and family, and I still do it to this day. If Christianity were true, and I could prove to you that Christianity was true, would you be a Christian? Do you know I've actually had people say to me, no, I wouldn't be one? So if you can find absolute truth, and it's true, and I can prove it to you, you wouldn't believe it. Nope, I don't want to believe that evidence. That proves to me you're on a happiness journey and not a truth-seeking journey. Go ask your co-workers that simple question. If Christianity were true, would you be a follower of Jesus Christ? You will find that many people today will say, no. Because the reality is, people, we have an evidential-based faith. We have evidence to prove Christianity true over and over and over again. And many of those people don't want that truth. And that's what I'm asking. What has happened to people today? Paul quotes this very psalm in Romans 3 because he's talking to people about the truth in his day. All of them have turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Many people think that they're doing good. Many people think they're doing good. In fact, there are many people who think they're doing good by lying and showing how angry they are. idea that we don't care about truth, we only care about happiness. As long as you make me happy, that's fine. No. There is liberty in the law. There is only true freedom in Christianity. Now, I can do all things that I want. I have that freedom. But are all things beneficial, Paul says? Are all things good for me to do? I can do anything I want. But is it beneficial for me to do? Is it helpful for me to do? The reality is, they're fighting against what is good, not murdering people. Because they're confused by evil. And they don't really want to know what's going to happen, but they're mad because they didn't get their way. So God tells us what's going to happen to them. God tells us what's going to happen this is what's going to happen in verse 5. Here, you ready? There is and there are, there, there they are in great terror. For God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Where does salvation come from? from the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That salvation for Israel 
would come out of Zion is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He restores the fortunes of his people. He restores the fortunes of his people. We should be rejoicing because of that fact. See, remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. It's not blind faith. Jonah 2.9 says that salvation belongs to the Lord, not you and me. It belongs to him. Psalm 3.8 says, and we just looked at this a couple weeks ago, that the Lord will deliver and show favor to his people. We are those people. Because we've been grafted in with the Jews. Romans 11 tells us that, starting in verse 13, that we're grafted in with the Jews. So we don't have to be arrogant about being part of the family of God, but that we should live in fear of the Lord, and we should serve him. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross, who rose again to defeat death, and then who ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us when Jesus came back again. That's the truth. That ain't my truth. That's the truth of God. That's not me coming up with that. He already said it. And so when you have someone say to you, and I actually had a congresswoman from New York, I listened to her say, I live my truth. There is no such thing as my truth. There's either the truth or it's a lie. It's that simple. There's either the truth, which sets us free, or there's a lie. It's that simple. I can't make it any more simple. And Jesus said, I've come to save the world. In fact, let me read this for you. I want you to hear from Jesus' own words what he said. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. This horrible world that none understands him, none seek after him. God says, I love you. I care about you. We looked at it earlier in the Psalms. God is mindful of you. Celebrities don't care about who you are. God does. He knows the number of hair on our heads. God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in the order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him is already condemned, because he's not believed in the only name of the Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. This isn't my words, people. This is straight from God. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest their work should be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. Let me say that one again so you understand. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their works have been carried out in God. You have friends, you have family, and they don't want to come to God and look at His ways because it exposes their evil heart. It exposes that they don't follow God fully. They don't care about God and His ways. But those who actually know Jesus Christ, they will run to the light. Because there is refuge and there is protection in Him. The world is going to hate you, Jesus said. 
but they first hated me. They're going to hate you because you follow my ways. Because what you do in Christianity, when you truly follow Jesus Christ, and not some made-up thing that some preacher told you on TV, when you actually follow the Bible, you will run to the light in His ways. You won't run away from it. Now, all of us are sinners. All of us have issues. All of us have things, but we are covered by grace. And I'm asking us to repent of our sins, turn from our ways. Remorse is being caught. Repentance is actually turning from what we used to do. So if you're continually falling into sin, start to ask God, do I know you? Am I legitimately a child of God? That's a tough question for many of us to answer. I ask myself that question every day, especially when I'm driving on the road to Michigan. Got a mm-hmm or an amen up there. I'm telling you guys, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. I make mistakes. story about winning the princess's hand in marriage. We want to win Jesus' Christ's hand in marriage. We need to have faith because God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. We need to have faith because God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. We need to have faith because God chose what is low and despised in this world, things that are not, to reduce the things that are so that no one can boast in their might. life, Jesus Christ. He is our source of life and salvation. Jesus Christ became wisdom for us. Let the old man, his eyebrows dance like snow hairs, his fool shares food with him, and he will receive the gift. The gift of helping in this life. We have to say our praise. We can choose Jesus Christ gives us the food of life, the bread of life, the living, the never-thirsting, Holy Spirit-filling water of life. John 7, 37b and 38 says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart flows rivers of living waters. Out of our hearts heart says there is no God. Out of the Christian's heart, those who follow Jesus Christ in His teaching His ways, flows living water. They never thirst again. They can actually experience and know and obey and trust in Jesus Christ. The world thinks that we're fools. We are the younger brothers, even to the point of calling us hateful and intolerant. our salvation come from? It comes from trusting and obeying in Jesus Christ. We are beggars who found the food, showing the other beggars where they can find the food. That's the reality of what Christianity should be. Which brings me today to what we're going to do now. Susie, I'd like to invite you up. We're going to do communion together. And I want you guys to understand one thing. Who are the real fools in this world? 
fools according to God, not me, not you, not my opinion, not the government's opinion. Who are the real fools? What does a fool do? And that's what you have to ask yourself because salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Nothing else. It's not about having to have baptism. It's not even that you're going to do this so that you know that you're a believer in Jesus. It's not even communion. But there are churches that teach that you have to be baptized, and there's got to be a certain way for baptism. And then you also there are teachers that teach that if you don't take the Eucharist, if you don't take communion properly, you're not really saved. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone. There is no other. Not all roads lead to Rome. And so what does the fool really say? Which kind of fool do you want to be? I know which fool I want to be. So I'm going to invite us up here. And as I come down there and Susie's playing, I'm going to invite the back first. And let me get ready. And I want you to think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you know who Jesus Christ is and you have something issue in your heart, it says in the scripture before you take the communion, get right with God. So take a minute to think and truly ask God, is there something in my heart that I need to get rid of? I do it every day. I'm asking all of us to do it. Because I don't want any of us to be 